there are a lot of people like this. There are a lot of people who are functioning alcoholics and functioning weed addicts that date and relate. And I remember, you know, feeling really overwhelmed at the concept of even bringing it up because I didn't know how to say. Welcome back to another episode. I am pleased to have back with me Jason Lang, my famous co-coach. So glad to have you. Yeah, excited to be back. Been a little while. Yeah. So today we're talking about men, weed, alcohol, and love. And again, I just want to say that we're we're mostly talking about um, male-female dynamics on this podcast and all of these dynamics can apply no matter what physical body you reside in or how you identify. So I just want to be clear about that. Sometimes I'll use the language of men and women, but I just want everyone to know you are all welcome. However you identify, including trans folks and everyone in between. This is just a way wording that I'm using. So the dynamic I really want to talk about, and again, I'm going to frame this in terms of men and women, but this is really applicable to anyone is the dynamic of being in relationship with someone who is contending with addiction of some kind, right? Addiction to weed and alcohol is what we're going to focus on in this episode. And I think that's very, very common, but this can also be related to something like gambling addiction or video game addiction or um, possibly pornography. pornography. Yeah. Pornography. And I want to, um, really be clear that my experience of this topic is that we get tripped up and I want to say obsessed, almost obsessed with the, the thing that is the addiction. Meaning, um, I have a problem with your alcohol addiction, or I have a problem with your addiction to marijuana, or I don't like that you smoke so much. And I want to break this down. Because I have many times had the experience, and I'm going to go into a little bit of detail, of being in relationship with a man who was using a substance to regulate his nervous system, right? And we call that addiction in our culture. And there's a lot of attention and there's a lot of, again, obsession with that thing, right? With the alcohol or with the weed or with the porn or with the fill in the blank. And I think that really um, does us all a disservice because it becomes, uh, what is it? It's like, there's a reason that the person is using this substance and that is usually trauma, untreated trauma, unresolved trauma. So I'm going to give an example of this, Jason, and I'd love your thoughts on it. So for example, I was seeing a guy for not a very long time, a couple months. And he really liked me. And I, I liked him too. I didn't like him as much as he liked me, but I did like him. And I, 
I really didn't like how much he drank and mm-hmm. the way that I expressed it to some friends. Cause we had some mutual friends was I'm going to call him Tim for this episode. I said, I think that Tim has a lot of unresolved trauma from childhood and I don't like the way that he handles it, which is to drink. So I was really clear on, I know what the underlying reason is. The reason that Tim drinks is not just that he likes beer. It's not, it's not a character flaw of Tim that he drinks all the time. He is treating his anxiety. That's essentially what it was. He was very anxious. He had a lot of stuck, trapped energy in his body, really another word for trauma. And he Mm -hmm. would soothe himself. He would numb himself with alcohol. Now, my issue was, I want a man who's doing the work. And when you're using alcohol or you're using weed to regulate and you're not doing anything else, to address the underlying trauma, you're not doing the work. So part of why I wanted to have this episode and why, and I'd love what I'd love to hear your feedback on is I never told Tim that I never even touched it. I was like, this feels really hard and scary to say, I want to be with a man who's dealing with his trauma. That feels really weird and scary. And it also feels like it's not really my place, right? You, you're, you're Tim doing your Tim thing, living your Tim life. You know, I don't want to come in and say, you have to change, but there is a balance there, which is that Tim never knew why I left. I didn't really tell him the truth. I honestly don't remember what I said. I think I said, this just isn't a fit for me, which is kind of true. But the deeper truth is I don't feel secure knowing that you're not dealing with this big part of your life. And, and in a way he was dealing with it. He was dealing with it by using alcohol, but he wasn't looking at addressing the underlying trauma. He wasn't looking at addressing the root cause of the reason he drank. He was just using it as, as medicine kind of. So I guess my, my question to you is if you were a man, would you want to know? And would it feel like I'm trying to control you? Cause I think that was part of my concern is if I bring this to you, I don't want you to feel like well, I have to stop drinking so that Mel will still date me, right? That's my worst nightmare is you take some major action in your life solely because you want to continue seeing me romantically. And that's not enough. It's like, no, no. Addressing underlying trauma is like, it's an investment. Like it takes a lot. So would you want to know? And if so, how would you want to hear that? Uh, Obviously I can only speak for myself, but yes, I would want to know. And, um, I say that because, you know, part of my belief system is that the whole purpose of relationship is to help each other wake up and to evolve each other. And, you know, over my years leading men's groups and our coaching program, um, I have definitely interacted with men who became clean and sober solely because their wife said, you got to do this or it's over. I'm taking the kids. And they do it. They like make that radical change. Not all of them, obviously some people get stuck, but some do. And, um, I think, you know, I think the trouble with things like weed and alcohol is the reason a lot of us men use them is generally they're numbing agents, right? 
they free us from tension. So we don't have to feel all the things. The one of the like second order consequences of that, I think, is we don't always feel the impact. Right. So we're not actually, it's just like, well, I'm getting drunk. But at the same time, I'm cutting myself off. I'm also cutting myself off from, ooh, you know, my partner doesn't feel safe when I get like this. Or when she has to get me home, you know, or whatever that might be. And so I think some guys, you know, may not actually know. Um, here in the U.S., we do live in a pretty drink alcohol-centric culture and increasingly a weed-centric culture too, depending on what state you're in. Um, and I think some people just don't even know because it's like a culture of go out and get fucked up. And, you know, there, there's lots of things driving that though. So I don't think everyone always knows they have a problem. So for some of these men, they may not even, like it may be that kind of unconscious thing, but, you know, unless someone says like, hey, I, this seems a little off. You know, I, I, I think so. I would want to hear it, you know, in terms of the work, a lot of the work you and I help men with around um, keeping dynamics alive in relationships. You know, how I would want to hear it is not is not that you need to do this or else. It's here's what it's like for me to be with you. And I don't think I can keep doing that. Right. Like just, it's really hard for me to feel safe with you or, or, you know, whatever the impact is like, what's the impact? How, how's it landing in you? Cause there's no, you know, there's no blame in that necessarily. It's just like, wow, you know, I notice I don't trust you and I don't feel safe and I'm scared a lot of the time I'm with you and you're drunk. Um, and then he has to step into that or not, you know, that that's the, that's the piece, you know, uh, that, not all guys are going to step into, but maybe some. Yeah. So I'm thinking back again to Tim, for example. And I remember, yeah, I remember I never felt unsafe with Tim. I never felt unsafe. I never felt like he was a crazy, messy drunk. I never felt like he was falling over. I never felt like concern about getting into a car with him which is actually interesting because I do remember him driving us around. I think he was really good at managing his alcoholism. And I think that's really what I wanted to talk about in this episode, because there are a lot of people like this. There are a lot of people who are functioning alcoholics and functioning weed addicts that date and relate. And I remember, you know, feeling really overwhelmed at the concept of even bringing it up because I didn't know how to say a little bit of what you're speaking to of, I didn't know how to say, I feel uncomfortable with this. And I actually think it would have been easier if I had felt unsafe. I think it would have been easier to say, I, I don't feel safe or I don't feel secure because that feels so tangible and so concrete. And it was more, I think my truth was more like, I don't feel relaxed. I don't feel relaxed. I don't feel relaxed because you're holding so much tension in your body all the time that only gets calmed down when you drink. And that fact makes me uncomfortable. So I'm tense when you're tense because kind of like mirror neurons, my body 
adjusts, that's not the right word, but you know, you've, you've used the metaphor of a pitch for a pitchfork, not a pitchfork, a tuning fork, tuning fork, you resonate, which I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but I'm going to explain it real quick. If you play a note on a piano, a tuning fork will carry that note, right? A tuning fork will become the note that is played in the space. And I, I feel like that as a woman, I feel very sensitive and attuned to what is happening in the space, especially with someone I'm relating with. So when you are tense and holding tension and and anxious, I feel tense and anxious and it's not comfortable. I don't feel good in my body. So I think that if I was going to actually share the truth, it would be, I feel tension when I'm with you. I feel anxious when I'm with you. And what I notice is that you use alcohol to bring that down. And I feel really uncomfortable with that. I feel really uncomfortable with that. And I, I don't know what else to say. Like I, because I think that I I think there's this thing that I do that I think a lot of people do. I'm going to use the word women, but I think a lot of people do it of, well, if I say this, you know, Tim would never have wanted me to feel stressed out with him. He would have been very dismayed to, to learn this. Right. And so I feel like I protected him, air quotes, protected him from how I actually felt with him a lot of the time because I didn't want to offend him. I didn't want to deal with lashback or backlash if he if he attacked me, if I actually shared my truth. And so I just didn't say anything at all. And I think that that is fairly common in relationship both ways. Right. That a lot of us are, quote, protecting the other person and not sharing our truth because the truth is fucking uncomfortable sometimes, particularly when we're talking about breakups or closing connections, right? I'm ending this connection because, you know, fill in the blank. I want to share another type of this scenario, which is I was relating with a man and we we were more serious than Tim and I. And we got to a sort of point in the relationship when I knew that he was using weed to regulate himself. And he was high most of the time. I would say 80% of the time that we were spending time together. I don't think that he knew that I knew. I think that he thought that he was undercover about it. And I've experienced this with a lot of people, again, people who use weed, but I'm going to stick with men. A lot of men who use weed in my experience, I think they think that I can't tell. I think they think that they roll up and they think they're cool and I can tell, but I don't say anything. I don't say anything. I don't really act different. I don't treat them differently, but I feel a little bit of disgust. I'm going to be honest. I feel a little bit of disgust. And part of the reason I think is because their reaction times are a little bit slower. Their thought patterns are a little bit disordered sometimes not always but there there are little things that feel off that feel like i'm sharper than you right now totally you're having to hold the mask yes, i'm so more when conscious we, yes when I'm we talk about in this so the re, this ties into part of why i think these substances you know it's not that there's not women that use these substances too but you know i imagine the data is that a lot of alcoholics are men and a lot of people addicted to weed are men um, the, you know, the allure of those, why we use those is they are a diminishment of consciousness. 
right? That when I say, when we say numb, where they help us feel less, it's actually a diminishment of how much we're here, right? Like alcohol takes you to actual like oblivion, right? We like drink until we black out the ultimate freedom there is like the ultimate, there is no nothing to feel that. And then, you know, weed is more of a, like a, a, a little bit of a distancing, you know, they literally call it high. Like I'm high above my experience and my body, I'm not really in it. Right. I'm not really in it. And with both of those, you know, reaction times go down. Um, like it's an actual thing. You're not just, you know, you're responding to the reality of when our consciousness is diminished on these types of substances in particular, whoever there, whoever else is going to be holding more space because they're going to be aware of more. The reaction times are going to be more. Now, if that's a masculine and feminine partner, you know, regardless of their, their sex, um, that means the the more feminine partner is going to be holding the masculine in those times. That's kind of what I mean of like, I'm going to have to take him home or guide him or make sure we have the thing. Like that's the kind of thing that will happen um, in these relationships. And yeah. So I, I, I think you've, yeah, I get that experience. <laughs> I get that experience. Even as a guy, even I'm sure a lot of guys listening have had that experience of someone they're with is totally high or totally drunk. And suddenly we're like caregiving them, right? We actually have to take care of them because if we don't, um, they're just not on top of it. They can get hurt, particularly with alcohol. Yeah. And I am remembering a recent event where a, a guy friend of mine showed up high and I was, I was not going to ask him for help at the end. I needed help fixing th- whatever I needed help cleaning up. And I think he would have been very sad to hear that truth that I didn't really trust him in that moment. I thought it's so it's, it could be dangerous. It, he's going to be slower than other people. You know, I just didn't do it. And so again, I think that he thought that no one could tell. And I think that he thought, oh, if they need my help, they'll ask. Like, I, I think it's so invisible. I guess that's part of why I wanted to do this episode was to raise visibility around if you are someone who's using alcohol or using weed or using something else to regulate I do think that people around you are affected and I do think that it affects your dating relationships. And I think that there are many people who've left dating relationships without telling the truth around this subject because it's so sensitive and it's so personal. It feels so personal, right? For me to have said to the man that was using weed to say, I'm uncomfortable with how much you use weed to numb. I I think in my experience of that person, it's like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? My life is fucking hard. I, you know, I've had these grief, you know, he had some things going on. Like I've had some shit go down. This is what I fucking do. Like, what do you want from me? Like, that's how I imagine he would react. I don't know that. Cause I didn't, I didn't try it, but I think that's a bit of the reaction and the response that I'm afraid of. And I can see that person's point. They're like, I found this thing that helps me do the thing I need to do, which is live my life, go to my job, take care of my kids, you know, manage my ex wife, like be in my reality. And I could see how it would feel like you want me to take away the one thing that's helping me live 
that's feels impossible. And I think that that's the part that again is it's actually not, it's, it's treating a thing, right? It's like, no, I don't just want you to stop doing the weed. What I want you to do is be in a men's group, invest in a mentor. I want you to be going to Al-Anon or sorry, AA and Al-Anon because you had addiction in your family at home. I want you to be doing the work. That's what I want. I want you to be doing the consciousness work to address your trauma. And I think for like a lot of men, that's just like, what the hell are you talking about? That part feels so big that I, I, again, shy away from the conversation altogether because it feels like such a, such a big thing to talk about. That's like, Hey, I want you to address your childhood trauma, you know, so that I can feel more comfortable in our relationship. It feels ridiculous to me, but it's really the truth. Like ultimately it's like, I don't quote unquote, just want you to stop drinking. It's not really about the drinking. Like that's what I'm trying to get across is it's not that I just want, wanted Tim to stop drinking. Like I don't actually want Tim to stop drinking. I want Tim to address his stuff, his underlying stuff, which he's using alcohol to treat. That's what I want, but it can be so easy to just hear, Oh, she wants me to stop drinking. Oh, she wants me to stop weed. Like that's not really it. And I think we get so focused on that that it detracts from the real conversation, which is doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, I mean, with all of these things, it's, it's not about stopping it forever. It's about using it with intention and consciousness, right? There's a way to yeah, totally get high or totally get drunk. It's a very intentional thing where you even set the container to have that experience so that people aren't taking care of you, right? You, you plan that stuff out. That's possible. That's not what we're talking about here that, I think a lot of guys just, it's just like an unconscious thing. They go to a habit and, you know, um, what I hear underneath that and what, you know, for any men who have maybe thought about this or had this reflection, right. Underneath what you're sharing, you're, you're right. It's not about, I need you to stop doing this. It's, I want more of you. I want more of you. That's what you're really asking for is I want more of you. And when you're numbing yourself and your feelings with weed and booze, I'm not getting all of you. And I want, like, I want all you. And, you know, what I would say is if a man closes to that, he's hundred percent, not your man, right? Not your man. Yes. Um, Cause that's actually an invitation for more. Like I want, I want you, I want all of you. And when these things are, um, on the table, less of you is online. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah. And it's, it's, I want, I want more of you and I want you to get the help you need to do that. Because I think, again, it's really easy. I'm thinking back to Tim of him saying, okay, yeah, I'll stop drinking, but not do the thing. And it's like, well, now all of that anxious energy is in your body and I'm tense around you again. So you're you're probably going to go find something else. That's probably what's going to happen. You're probably going to go find something else that takes it down a notch. And what I'm really asking for is I want all of you and I want you, I want you to heal your stuff. There's a call, there's a craving, there's a craving for you at your masculine essence, you at your core, you, you healthy, you healthy and whole, like that's what I'm wanting. And that's not who you're being in the world right now. And I don't think it's an accident that I believe that life calls us to evolve. 
as human beings. I believe life calls us to evolve. And if we don't hear the call, then it knocks us over. And it's like an inevitability. Like life wants you to grow. It wants you to grow. So it will knock politely on the door and then it'll smash it down and you will get into a car accident or you will experience something big to wake you up. And I think the more conscious we become, the more aware we are, the more we hear the knock at the door and we regulate and we kind of correct, right? But I don't think it's an accident that a feminine being like me, which is an embodiment of life, the same way masculine beings are, is calling for a man to grow and, and, and he can either answer that call or not. So I want to tell two other quick stories that are relevant here. One is I was with a military vet for a while and he also had a very strong relationship with alcohol and sleep meds because again, undiagnosed, I would say anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress. I think he had post-traumatic stress that was untreated. And so he was doing all the things he could that he knew how to do to manage that, which was mostly alcohol and sleep meds. And sleep meds, by the way, will make you really weird (laughs) if you don't go to sleep once you take them, (laughs) namely Ambien. So he would get pretty strange. And, um, And again, I think that conversation of, I want more of you, I want all of you, is um, fundamentally, I need you to get other help besides our relationship to do that. I guess that's really what I want to say is that I don't want to hold all of you. I want all of you. And I'm not your therapist. I'm not your men's coach. I am not an Al-Anon group. I am a woman. I want to be in relationship with you, but I want you to go be a warrior and do the work. Invest. Yes, I have invested upwards of $50,000 in myself and my healing and my growth over my life. And I feel like all this emotion coming up as I'm talking about it. I'm like, I want that from you. I want you to be willing to invest in your health and your consciousness. Yes, I want that from you. I want that from you. And if that's not there, I will leave you. And I have left you, right? I have left the divine masculine in at least the form of three men, at least because of this. And I've never told them that. And, and I wonder too, because, you know, you've been in relationship, you know, has that ever come up for you where, where you've thought I'm leaving this woman, for example, let's say mostly because of her depression, she's depressed a lot of the time. It interrupts our connection. It makes it hard to be intimate with her. And I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about all, all the things around intimacy, right? Like cuddling and love and playfulness and, you know, all of that stuff. And I feel like if I touch that subject, like shit is going to go down. It's going to be an eruption. She's going to feel judged. It's going to be a whole fucking thing. So instead of saying, if we were to stay together, I would need you to get help for your depression in a real way, address the underlying trauma. You know, instead of that, did you dance around it too? Like, have you ever had that experience of, I don't really want to touch the real reason that this isn't working because it feels too big and too scary and too personal. Um, I've never had it quite like that, but I had something tangential to that, that I think underlines a lot of what I hear you speaking towards in what men listening to this, that this may be familiar or triggering something in them or awakening 
them to something is, I think underneath this is, right, whether it's weed addiction, um, alcohol addiction, healing trauma from growing up, uh, bad experiences in previous relationships. We're all coming to the table with something, like everybody is. And uh, in fact, partnership is an incredible place to help heal that stuff. But fundamental to that and what makes, you know, I think in, in what you're yearning for and what I think the guys we work with are looking for in relationship makes all that possible is, are you taking responsibility for the cards you were dealt? Right? Are you taking responsibility for that trauma, for whatever you experienced as a kid or as a vet? And I know that's hardcore. Um, and, you know, it's a big thing to step into that not a lot of men do. I'm going to take full responsibility for my presence in the world. Right? Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean I know how to do it. Uh, doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but there's an energy to that that then allows for a relationship to happen, mm. right? Because if the if the man hasn't taken responsibility for that, you know, this is something I, I've worked with some of our guys on. It's like, you know, and again, we're going to be talking just men and women here, masculine and feminine in the, in the way we coach generally. Um, you know, you don't want to have to be his mother. Yes. Right? Part of the dynamic between a mother and a son, you yes. know, in the, in the, in that younger age is the man can't yet take responsibility. He's a boy. So she's holding the responsibility for his well-being. you know, as a child, your lover doesn't want that. She wants to be your lover. And that's what I hear, you know, you speaking towards. I want to be your lover, which can include helping you with that. If you yeah. come to the table with, Hey, I, I, I really got to own, yeah, I do have a problem and I'm really scared to get into this stuff. And I don't even know where to start. I'm talking to some of my friends. I'm, you know, going to see a therapist and, you know, I'd like you to be my ally in that, but that would I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to figure this out. Attractive. Like right. that, what you just said, it's like, it's not about perfection and it's not about no problem. I'll quit weed tomorrow. I got this. That's not what it's about for me. It's exactly what you said. It's consciousness and awareness and the willingness to say, I'm going there. I'm committed to figuring this out. I'm going to get a coach. I'm going to get a men's group. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to AA. I'm going to get a sponsor. I'm going to get a therapist. I'm going to figure out if there's a sliding scale clinic in my area. If I don't have a lot of money, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this this is important to me. That's really what I needed. And I was terrified that I wasn't going to get that from either any of the men really, because I think a small part of me thought, well, if they were going to do it, wouldn't they be doing it? Right? Like if they were going to be going there, wouldn't they be going there? Like, is it my place? Who am I to say to this man, I, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not, I don't, I don't feel good about this because of this thing that you do because of this other thing, <laughs> like because of this drinking that you do because of this unresolved yeah. trauma, I'm leaving you. I just, you know, left, but that, what you just said, I think is, it's really encouraging. And I've been really, um, 
proud to witness the men that we work with, the clients that we work with grow in this area. And it doesn't mean they stop drinking right away or they stop smoking weed right away. But it the consciousness that's raised when you do do this work, when you do actually invest and go there and do the things and 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 address it is pretty remarkable. You can grow pretty quickly. And I've seen tremendous transformation in the men that we work with, not just in the, you know, the program that we do, right? The 12 weeks that we're working with them, but also in the, in the 12 months after that, I witnessed tremendous transformation and I'm, I'm going to be frank about it. A lot of them stop smoking weed. A lot of them or significantly reduce the amount that they were numbing because they do become more conscious and they do get more support. They feel more stable in their lives, grounded in their, in themselves. Right. And that's really the thing is it's not a simple solution. It's not a quick fix. It is related to trauma. It is related to self-worth. It is related to all of the uncomfortable shit that you don't want to sit in, which is why you're drinking in the first place. (laughs) Right. It does involve going there. It does. But when you go there with love, with people who love you, with support and other people who've been through it, like that's the magic sauce, right? There's a reason that 12-step programs have been around for as long as they have. And I think a lot of it is love. It's the love that's in those rooms. It's being with other people who've been through the same shit you have. And I'm not just talking about drinking. I'm talking about abusive households. I'm talking about domestic violence. I'm talking about sexual abuse. I'm talking about neglectful parents. I'm talking about the underlying reasons, chaotic households, right? Places where you just, you were always moving around. It never felt safe. You didn't feel seen by your parents, whatever it was. The people in those rooms are telling those stories and you're witnessing them and you're being with them and you're telling your own story. There's magic in that. It's resilient. And those groups are low cost. So I've invested thousands. I think you have also invested thousands. I feel like different teachers and different groups are called for at different times. I just want a man who's engaged in it, who's ready to do that, like walk that path and be that warrior. Cause that's really what it is. In my opinion, that's warriorhood. That is being a fucking warrior. And it's not about violence. It's not about acting outness. It's not about what we see in the movies. To me, that is warriorhood. You being willing to walk into your shit and commit to it and be like, I'm addressing this is serious bravery. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear if you have anything to say about that part, because to me, that's like, this is the ultimate masculine bravery. Yeah. It's the taking responsibility. And, you know, the thing I, I work with, I tell a lot of guys that, um, feeling is always braver than not like that's the essence of this type of warriorship it's the opening to what's there opening to what's there opening to what's there and that is the new warrior you know the uh, we get all these tales and stories about warriorhood which are always you know based on war and the external and going out and conquering and that's the big shift that's happened in our generation now that warriorship is migrating to an internal experience. It's, 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 it's turning inside, taking responsibility to heal what needs to be healed in, in, in ourselves, in our lineage and to feel that like, that's, that's just it. You know, that's, that's the honest truth. And we're not given a lot of tools as men, you know, so you know, guys listening to this who, you know, maybe do use weed or, or, or do use alcohol, 
you know, it's, it's not, it's not something I want you to feel shame about, right? We turn to the medicine the culture gives us. These are the medicines mostly available in our culture right now. And they suck for doing this. They're, they're okay at other things, right? But it's like a blunt instrument that's not really suited to this that actually doesn't address the underlying problem. Like you said, in the tr- trouble with these, which I talk, talk about a lot, is they, they keep us in place, right? It's like, it's like living life in neutral gear. We can never quite, because we're not going into things, we're just kind of in the same spot over and over and over again. And, you know, for women out there that are listening, you know, I've done hundreds of calls with men at this point. And for a lot of them, what wakes them up and gets their asses off the couch is a woman. You know, and I think that's the great gift that the feminine has to us men who it's very easy for us to go through life, just not in our bodies. It's just that, you know, that's the, that's the masculine experience for a lot of men. And the feminine is what invites us into like, Hey, it's worth being here. It's worth being here. Like come feel with me. And some guys, you know, I, I wish I could, <laughs> get a lot of the guys on the boat, but truthfully, the thing that brings them to us is a lot of time feedback from a woman they're in relationship with or feedback from a woman they wanted to be in relationship with, but who was like, yeah, you know, it's not going to work for me. Yeah. You got some stuff to work out and I love you and I wish you well. And I hope you get there because you're great. Like that's yeah. what I wish I could have said. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting it's... for you. I want you to get the help. I just, I really need you to do that, to be with me. I can't, I can't do this. And I remember the the guy that was a veteran, he never said this out loud, but I think he wanted to marry me. And I think he wanted to have kids with me. And there was one point when I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, I would never, ever have kids with you the way you are now. You're an alcoholic. I would never like I'm in relationship with you and we have pretty good relationship for what it is, but the trust involved in raising a person like, no, no, I would no. that's a hard boundary for me. And I think again, like, I think he would have been sad to hear that. I think he would have been sad and surprised to hear that. And for me, it was terribly obvious. Like, this is not, you're out of control. There's a way that you're out of control that doesn't feel like you would be a healthy dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel sadness. Yeah. I feel the same way about weed addiction. Like there's, this needs to be addressed. This underlying stuff that's here is needs to be addressed. Yeah. That, and the last thing I'll just say is I think that sadness that he, right. He still would have had a choice to feel that sadness or not, but that sadness is sometimes the gateway that men need to, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Right. And so, yeah, guys, you know, it's hard to look at this stuff, but it's not impossible when you have the right community and the right path. um, It really can change and it really can get better. And it doesn't have to mean you never do these things again. It doesn't have to mean that. Yeah. 
you can, it can still be a part of your life. It's the why you're using it and how you're using it that'll often shift. Yeah. And it's resolving some of that underlying trauma mm-hmm. and that changes everything when you yeah. actually get to the root and you complete the circle that wasn't completed, your, your relationship to the substance changes. It's, it's not A equals B, but there's a, there's a compulsion. There's an obsession. There's a, there's a need, there's an addiction, the addiction to it as this is how I, this is how I feel. Okay. In the world, this is how I feel. Okay. This is how I feel. Okay. This is how I feel. Okay. When the trauma is addressed and when you have a supportive community and you feel loved and you feel self-love, those are the deep things. And when those are in place, yeah, you might drink, but it's not, I have to have this this weekend or I will die. It feels like if I don't have this, I will die. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to wrap. If you are interested in... Jason and I for mentorship, you can watch our free training, which is at evolutionary.men slash training. And I encourage you, I encourage you to get mentorship, whether or not it's with us, it doesn't matter. But if this resonated, or if you feel like there's something you need to address, get some help. There's lots out there to do and it's possible. And you can do this. We, we can do it all together. Yeah. Don't, don't try to do this thing alone. 